culture. I, I do this for my culture. Black culture and hip hop culture. <laughs> it's Corners of the Culture with D-Lo and KC. Welcome into the latest episode of Corners of the Culture. I'm D-Lo. He's KC. Yes, sir. Along with the dope ones. Don is dope. Wherever you are, Good. we appreciate you so much uh, for being with us. We appreciate you downloading, subscribing. We appreciate you being here with us each and every uh, single Thursday on your favorite podcast platform. You can also uh, check us out in visual form over on YouTube.com slash ESPN1320 as we take these deep dives uh, down hip hop as we continue to celebrate uh, the 50th anniversary of our favorite genre here. They call it a genre of music, but hip hop is really a lifestyle. And few uh, are as synonymous with the lifestyle of hip hop as the person was going to talk about today. Few are as big of a question mark as the individual we're going to talk about today. An enigma. One of the most celebrated artists in the history of hip hop. Mm -hmm. But man, we're really talking a singular album here, along with some work with the Fugees, obviously, Lauren Hill. Yeah. One of the greats to ever do it, with all that being said. Miss Hill. One of the greats to ever do it. Miss she was Lauren 21 Hill. when that album dropped. That was, I didn't know that until I started researching. I mean, 21 and living with her mom, living with her parents. When we were, when we were, um, well, when I was that young, you guys were around the same age too. I mean, she's everybody seems so older, right? Like I'm 13, 14, 15. These people I'm seeing on TV, oh, they gotta be, you know, 26, 27 or whatever. It's 21 years old. 21 Baby. years old. Had to be that makes her what, like 19, 20 when the score came out? Exactly. I mean, exactly. damn. She got signed the same year she did Sister Act too. Mm. The Fuji's signed their deal like a couple months after she wrapped that movie. Did you see Sister Act 2 or did you know of the Fugees first? Sister Act 2. Sister two. Act 2. Definitely. Because Sister Act 1 was huge. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sister Act 1 was, yeah. was a big movie. Yeah. And, you know, they're coming out with a second one and back in the habit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's just a classic. Yeah, man. And she, uh, she pops in that movie. Absolutely. Like she stands out in that movie uh, even all these years later of course it's it's a little more it's obviously it's magnified now uh even then in real time did you uh, guys see the uh footage of her at apollo mm -hmm. at 13 yeah. years old yeah. <laughs> yeah i had never seen it yeah yeah and she's getting booed out there yeah. on this little 13 year old girl yeah. Yeah. But, she, but she but she, but she, she finished she strong, finished strong yeah. and she made made it through and it's weird though like that like you know it, i don't know if it was a precursor to her career but it was definitely, I don't know, I don't know the word I think of when I when it comes to Lauren is duality, you know, mm -hmm. just duality in almost every sense. Like here is this, you know, just young, lofty, just genius, musical genius, you know, who has these, you know, just amazing gifts and this pure honesty. But like when you think about when she popped, like she blew up mm -hmm. at like the cornerstone the intersection of like consumerism and like mm -hmm. just when like the early 2000s after Pac and big died you know the only other female mcs are lil kim yeah. foxy brown she was like the antithesis of that mm -hmm. but then it just got you know it just got real 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 i don't know i wonder there there's so many there's there's so many different things to dive into with with that part kind of her 
fading away. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I think we got to start with, did anyone rock blunted on reality? <laughs> Um, uh, Mona, hey Mona Lisa, can I get a date on Friday? And if you're busy, I wouldn't mind taking Saturday. Hey, hey, that was yeah. on that. That was the yeah. remix. I can't think of the name of that the was song though. The one, the one that was yeah. literally, yeah, the, the only one. one. Yeah, and it and it and it's nothing like the score. It's nothing like the miseducation. It's nothing like we'd hear from any of those three individuals as time went along. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just kind of like a standalone where I think they've all admitted they weren't really being themselves on the album. They were trying to conform to what music was mm. uh, at the time. And then, of course, came the score. Mm-hmm. And that is, the, the, uh, it sounds weird to say this when there's only two. That's the definitive Fuji's album, yeah. though. Like, that's that's when you think Absolutely. of the Fuji's. It's one of the great hip hop albums of all time. Yeah. And it's, did y'all know, I didn't ones. know it was nominated for album of the year. I did not know that. That year was nominated either. for album of the year and lost. Mm. I had no that. idea. Nineteen ninety six. Do you know who won? No. You know I'm gonna have to look it up now. <laughs> I don't. That was a that was a massive project, and I I, I learned. Some, this is funny how music is, right? It's funny how things go. Uh, watching some stuff with Prize, and he said, uh, "Killing Me Softly" was not supposed to come out. Yeah, it wasn't mm-hmm. supposed to be. On, yeah, he said, yeah, he said somebody leaked it. Yeah, that's how it came up. But they was like, we didn't, we didn't want to put that song out at all. Yeah, and that's crazy. They turned into what it turned into one they, of the one of the biggest songs facts, in hip hop. The history. definitive song on right. that album for mm-hmm. sure. But I think it was it was Fuji La. That was the first. That was the one that got me, bro. That mm-hmm. was the that was the one. Like when I heard Fuji La and I heard Lauren on that hook. It was a rap. And what's crazy is I don't think at that time I even put two and two together that she was Joyful Joyful Girl <laughs> from Sister Act 2. Right. I don't think I made that connection. Right. Like, I think it was a couple years later. I was like, oh, shit. And 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 just for the, to make sure the timeline, Sister Act 2 was first. It was yeah, first. Sister Act it was 2 first. came out first. Came from it was first yep. because, again, they they signed their deal. She They signed their deal with Columbia the mm-hmm. same year. I think that was 93, I want to say. Mm-hmm. And then they put out Blended on Reality. And then, yeah, the score Blended on Reality out. was 94. 94. Score was 96. Score was 96. Mis- yeah. Miseducation was 98. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Roz also had an interview where I think they all talked about, they said 12 people bought that first album. <laughs> so <laughs> 12 people. And then he goes, they go, damn, so nobody bought the album? And he's like, well, 12 people did. <laughs> <laughs> that man. Prize, I, 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 this isn't a Fuji's episode. Prize was, that dude was cold. No, for sure. Oh my gosh, that for dude sure. was bad. Uh, just to close the book on this, because it would have it would have bothered me. The nominees uh, for the 1997 Grammy Awards, uh, Waiting to Exhale soundtrack, great soundtrack, was nominated for Album of the Year. I think that was off the strength of Shoop. Was that the, Shoop was or it? Not Gonna Cry? Yeah, not gonna cry. I feel like Shoop was a bigger pop hit, though. It was probably so. Yeah, it was. Um, The Smashing Pumpkins, the Fugees, Beck, and the winner, Falling Into You, Celine Dion. Mm. Oh man, was that? No, that wasn't Titanic. No, that was that was. Oh man, ninety. Boy, I'm break my heart drop that year. Oh my gosh. I'm looking at it now. Now I'm stuck on waiting to exhale. I wanted to see how many, how many records from that, that album were nominated for something. Cause that soundtrack was a beast. Don't cry. Um, Did Whitney have a touch track? 
Yeah, Shoop. Yeah, Not Gonna Cry and Shoop were both nominated for Best Female R&B Vocal I Performance. TLC had a track on there, too, that was relatively big. They had, that, was a, that was a really, that was a big soundtrack. Uh, Shoop Shoop won Best R&B Song. <laughs> Best R&B album, the Tony Rich Project. Boy. Oh, wow. Nice. Okay. <laughs> what were, what were the hip-hop albums that year? Because the Fuji's won for that, right? Oh, yeah, God, they, I would think yeah. they had to. Yeah, I think they, yeah, they took two Grammys. Yeah, they definitely year. did. Let's keep scrolling. Give me a heartbeat. Best rap album. So so, so this is Hey Lover, LL Cool J. Mm. Oh, Lord, this is going to open a can of worms. <laughs> Crossroads or East Best 99. rap performance by a duo or group. <laughs> the Crossroads by Bone Thugs See, and Dave. Harmony. And Best Rap Can't Album. Can't erase them from, from the history books, man. Best Rap Album. Can't erase we worship. <laughs> Mr. Smith. Gangsta's Paradise. Mm. Beats, Rhymes, and Life. All Eyes on Me. Wow. And the winner. The, the score. score. The score beat All Eyes on Me, wow. huh? Mm. Damn. Rightfully so. Yeah. Oh, Rightfully so. Let's calm down. You know how I, I love feel. the score. You know how I feel. Cut the album down to one album and it's and it and, it, and it's and it's perfect. It's That's damn near perfect with two discs. That's Speaking of double albums, I think we're doing Life After Death next week. Ooh, just to let's go. Out there. Let's we're just go. coming off the 25th anniversary let's of Life go. After Death. I I'm a, I'm gonna leave I'm gonna leave all eyes on me alone. That's for another day, but they didn't know what to do with hip hop, though. You got to think. 90s, 97, they still didn't know what to do. But I I, I feel like Fuji's earned that. Like, Oh, they definitely earned it. They it, definitely it, earned it. Yeah. You know, it, it was a formidable opponent, though. We, you're not going to lie. That yeah. was probably, you know, they were both definitely uh, deserving of it. But the score was incredible. How much did y'all know about her relationship with Wyclef? Very little. I didn't know, until I didn't know nothing about Very it. Very little. I had heard rumors. I didn't want to believe it, though. Mm -hmm. But after I did my 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 research on it, I was shocked yeah. at how messy it was. Yeah, yeah. Prize told him. He said, yeah. "Don't mess with the girl." Prize called the Wyclef the, the cancer the of the yeah. Fugees because that was those sold the seeds of their eventual. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, he said. He said Prize told him from the start, "Do not mess with Lauren." Period. Don't mess with her. And Wyclef couldn't. Couldn't help himself, yeah. and, and it, Lauren couldn't help herself. It's crazy to think about those three individuals because obviously we're going to uh, talk in depthly about Lauren Hill and what went on with her and what she wound up doing. But you look at Prize; we just all, sh all shared our feelings on Prize. Wyclef, in the same conversation, is just um, immensely talented. I, mm -hmm. I saw Wyclef do a do a performance in a studio with me and like nineteen other people. Mm as part of something we did uh, on, on KSFM many years ago. That dude's level of talent is borderline immeasurable. Mm. And to think during a brief moment in time, all three of these people right. were together in one group, yeah, making music making, together. They're their dream music. team. Yeah, yeah. To a certain yeah absolutely. You know, absolutely. I got a question for you guys. I got a question. I got, a, I got an answer myself, but I want to see what you guys got to say. You know, I always do this like she wants a show. Miseducation of Lauryn Hill. Mm. Is that a hip-hop album? Yes. Why? I agree, first of all. I agree. But why? And I'll play devil's advocate and say, it's definitely not 50-50, hip-hop and singing. Mm -hmm. It's probably closer to 70-30 singing to hip-hop. 70-30 yeah. 
70 singing, 30 hip hop. She does just enough on that album yeah. for you to say, yeah, it's a hip hop album. But I agree with you. I look at it as a hip hop album as well. I don't think I don't think it's a hip hop album. I think we look at Lauren as such an incredible rapper. She's such a dope MC, probably mm-hmm. the greatest female MC ever, mm-hmm. arguably. But I think that album, I think it's a R&B album that features mm-hmm. hip hop. I really do. I really do. You can convince me of that too. I think it's a hip hop album, but you can convince yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. That that's more so. Yeah, I don't think it was centered around around rap. I think she just poured her soul out on yeah. that on that record you know what i'm saying but it was more she she couldn't do it in and in, she couldn't she couldn't put the kind of feeling into it just with rhymes that she could through her song lyrics mm-hmm. i feel like what about could we call it a transformative hip-hop album where it opened the doors of because you you said this earlier and i think this is worth uh, uh elaborating on this album came out in 1998 mm-hmm. so we're on the heels now of Pac and big dying yeah. Right. And, you know, Illmatic is still it's it's a it's still a street album. Right. Mm-hmm. I think it was written, dropped around this, this same 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 time frame. Yeah, Ninety six. Um, reasonable doubt. Like you're you're start you're starting to see stuff, but hip hop is still essentially healing mm-hmm. from from the loss of of Big and Definitely. Pac and and the you know year plus of that that exchange between, you know, the East and the West and death row and bad boy and all of that. And for Lauren to come out after the Fuji's being regarded the way that it was and drop this album, it felt almost like a, it felt like a healing album for people felt like a healing album for Lauren Hill more than anybody else, but it was a transformative album in the sense, like what you just said, if it's a 70, 30 album of hip hop to, to, to R and B that R and B is what made sure that this album got in front of the people who are going to allow her to win a Grammy award mm. and allow her to go on stage and say, this is hip hop. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. it, it's the transformative nature of, of, of that album, which you could argue set the tone for a lot of what we saw moving forward with, with Cardi B or, 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 or Drake or, or albums Drake that, is who I always thought that about. Like, Drake is, that's, Damn near a Drake album that have like, Drake a really rapping on that one. Yeah, a really yeah. heavy R and B influence to it. Mm-hmm. No, I, I consider the R and B album featuring rap because mm-hmm. she was the premier rapper of the time. Not even female rapper. I think she was one of the most respected just rappers. Like Young Groove quoted as saying, "You know, her pen game is untouchable." Mm-hmm. You know, I think she reached yeah she she definitely reached the audience that 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 made her like almost a shoo-in for album of the year through the r&b but i also think it was cathartic for her to get that out mm-hmm. because she is somewhat of an instrumentalist too right she plays mm-hmm. a guitar she plays a little instruments so i feel like maybe this is just conjecture but i feel like maybe the 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 rhymes limited her a little bit i feel mm-hmm. like she needed to just get you know the songs out you know mm-hmm. And what was what was the oh my god I can't think of the song on the Refugee All Stars because uh, that's another that's another was it um, project was it the one that was on the Love Zone Shack the uh, yes the, yes yes uh, yes sweetest thing sweetest sweetest thing, thing. That, that, that's my sweetest joint. thing is uh, like it's a precursor is a precursor to, to miseducation, miseducation. Mm-hmm. absolutely absolutely um, I think I, I she I'm thinking a doo-wop, right mm-hmm. and how that was such a pop hit mm-hmm. 
But when you strip it down, it's a hip hop record. Like she's rapping on it. Mm-hmm. That's what she's doing. Yeah. But it's formed in a way of, oh, they're going to play this everywhere because of how catchy the hook is. Right. And I think that was the brilliance of balance yeah. between what she did on this album. And I don't want the title of it to escape people either. The Miseducation of Lauryn Hill. You talk about the importance of that album to hip hop. And you go back and you read The Miseducation of the Negro and realize the importance of that book to the black community. Like yeah. I, 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 I think the way she titled the album, cover art the album, yeah. and laid out the album, those those two things shouldn't be lost on each other because yeah. there's clearly a tie between the two that's really incredible. Yeah, James Baldwin, right? No, 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 no. That's not James Baldwin. No? It's uh, I'll, I'll get you the title. I'll get you the author. The um, one of the interesting things about Miseducation is as well is. I have somebody really close to me mm-hmm. that doesn't see the album the same way everybody else does. Really? Dr. That, Carter Woodson, by the way. Dr. Right. Carter Woodson. That okay. person who I respect their opinion, they're a music connoisseur. They're like, mm-hmm. that's not what I was looking for from Lauren. When really? when when Fuji's happened and Fire all this stuff, like I wanted Fuji's Lauren. I didn't want, we talked about RB, I didn't want RB Lauren. Yeah. I wanted you know, lost ones. Yeah. That sound that's like the one song that sounds the most like a Fuji song was yeah. Lost Ones. And she's like, I like it, like it's good music, but it's not what I was looking for. Yeah. And during the research, I learned about how that album came to be. Almost how allegedly how she got no help from the Fuji's and how right. Wyclef was going around saying if you work with Lauren, you can't work with me. And that's people were funny. people were choosing sides. Mm-hmm. So she had to go find these unheard of producers at the mm-hmm. time. Had to go find a whole a whole uh crew of producers. I think they called them New Art. New Art. And um and create that sound and create that album. I yeah. mean I, I can't I, I say all that to say just imagine at 21 years old. Yeah. Like you gotta go essentially out on your own. Find your own sound, put it together, and not only were you able to do it, you were able to make a classic. Yeah. So let me just say something. So you you just touched on a lot of points, Kenny. I, I have so much that I could say about Lauren and take it so many different ways. But let me just touch on what you said real quick, right? Mm-hmm. So so stemming from the relationship between her and, her and Wyclef, which, yeah, I was not privy to the depth of it prior to the, the research that I did. But, yeah, the fact that this woman who was like the heart and soul of this group was kind of almost cast out right mm-hmm. because she wanted she would have preferred to stay with the fujis there's mm-hmm. more than one interview i've watched every single interview that's on youtube of her mm-hmm. and in many of those interviews she stated that she would have rather been with the group uh but it seems like that relationship just muddled the whole thing mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying so yes she then steps out on her own because again sweetest thing was kind of a precursor right Mm -hmm. and then the people that were still in her corner are telling her no you need to go and make great music on your own right without the help of your bandmates who you have kind of leaned on you know Mm -hmm. what i'm saying you got to get from out of their shadow so then you mentioned somebody close to you who felt like that wasn't the lauren that they wanted Mm -hmm. so in my research allegedly one of the first songs that she did, one of the first songs that she demoed was To Zion. Mm-hmm. 
you know, mm-hmm. and that's one of my favorite albums. It on might the record. be the best song. You know, it album. might be. Like, and then, you I know, love that song. And you have a son. I have a son. Like I, you could just feel that, right? Mm-hmm. So she took that to Tommy Matola, and allegedly they hated it. It was mm-hmm. dead on arrival because it wasn't the Fugees. Mm-hmm. So much like the Apollo performance, she's putting herself out there, and it's getting booed, mm-hmm. but she's persevering her resilience in making this what became obviously this immaculate incredible album Mm -hmm. it was faced with a lot of scrutiny early on in its inception and that's just like i mean i I think that we'll get here to where things went wrong i think that became a part of why she got so jaded like with the industry in general well i wondered too after 10 Grammy Award nominations, you know, five wins, the Album of the Year Award, if there was the, like, thriller aspect. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. how are you going to follow this? How do you follow, in in Thriller's case, how do you follow the biggest selling album mm-hmm. in history? Like, how do you follow it? Bad, to me, is an incredible album. I, I, I think I could make a compelling argument that Bad is better, better than Thriller. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it didn't sell like Thriller did. It, it's right. not. It's not regarded the way that Thriller is. But it's a. It's a. It's an album that had five number one singles on it. Yeah. But it's not looked at the same. Yeah. And I feel like people who have dropped masterpieces so early are tasked with following it, and it's a tough task to undertake. Well, well even and you're 100 percent right. And it's even uh, twofold for Lauren. Because I remember we talked about this with Dre. Dre and Lauren are the same. Not to say Mike isn't or anything else, but they're artists. And when you're an artist, you go purely on feel. Mm -hmm. How you feel about the project. You may play whatever you have for 100 people. 100 people may think it's dope. But if you're not feeling it, if it's, I just, I don't have the connection to it. Yeah. I'm not doing it. And I think that's what Lauren went through. Um, she talked about how you, you mentioned it. She talked about it, how she poured her life experiences mm-hmm. into miseducation, what she had gone through relationship wise, uh, growing up as a young girl in, in, in the industry, just in life. She poured her heart and soul into that. And when it came time to make another album, She's like, I don't have the experiences no more. Exactly. Like I gave you every experience I had in life up to that point in miseducation. And I can't draw from these last two, three years. Right. Like I can't. And like I said, I may be able to make good music, but if I don't feel it, I'm not doing it. Yeah. And I think, I think she's never felt it since. Yeah. I don't think so either. And I think to sort of piggyback on that point, you know, not only, um, it's like it's like Jay says, you know, reasonable doubt was his whole life's journey from, you know, he from childhood to, you know, young adulthood. And he put everything into it. Lauren absolutely, you know, crafted miseducation, you know, with that same sort of life experience, you know, at the helm, you know, of that project. But I think also she was a truth teller. Right. She, mm-hmm. at least in her mind. Right. And, you know, I'm a person who feels like there is no real truth 
there's only perspective. So again, Lauren is 21, 22, putting out this album, a young woman, you know, think about when, when we were 22, think about our views on the world mm -hmm. and think about how much they've changed and evolved. Right. So your truth at 21 is not your same truth at 31 or mm -hmm. 41. Mm -hmm. Right. We all evolve. But at that point in time, I think she, like you said, had to make her art substance based mm -hmm. and not gimmick based or mm -hmm. not just, mm -hmm. you know, for, for, for radio, for, for, you know, for charting, right. for sales. But also, I think what she when she when she reached those heights, I think morally her spirit didn't feel like she could thrive in this hyper, you know, consumerism, right. consumer-based industry. Because again, like, you know, early 2000s, it was pop and it was lit. It was like, you know, it was, it was like just good times. But mm -hmm. she wasn't trying to be a gimmicky artist. She was trying to stay true to who she was. Mm -hmm. And I think that that sort of just killed her spirit uh, creatively. Mm. If if Lauren said, I'm dropping an album today, would you be excited for it? I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I can be just considering everything that's happened since miseducation and all of the alleged things that have gone on behind the scenes. Mm. I don't know. So how much how much of Lauren's absence do you think attributes to the way we talk about the miseducation? Uh, some of it. I mean, it, I'm, to a certain degree, she might be tortured by it, by its success. Absolutely. I think you she's know a tortured I mean? genius. Yeah. But I think Because we talk about this album like we do for artists who, who died, right? Who absolutely. dropped an album and then, and, you know, and, and then they were gone and like they never had a chance to follow it up with something you know, that sucked or they never had a chance to, to, to they never had the chance to chase Thriller, Big. right? Yeah, like they they never had that opportunity. But Lauren's still alive. That's the thing. I was going like, to say, we talk about her like she passed. And she real. hears it. Like yeah, she she, she can hear it. She can read it. Like she can see it. Yeah. And know that it's, 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 it's all out there. And we all know Lauren's there. So some of us can see her if you're willing to wait. If you if, if you're willing to wait past the start time, you might get to see Lauren Hill at a show. Like she'll still tour, right. but it's 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 we 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 talk about this album as if the artist who created it isn't with us anymore. Yeah, and that I think is the testimony to how great it is, and it almost adds to her lure. But well, I think I, I think it's the I think it's her being gone that adds to the lore. Exactly, her absence that adds to the lore. But it's how great this album is that we still speak of it in the same way. Mm -hmm. Because since then, post miseducation, Lauren has done things that would get her more or less canceled, mm -hmm. right? For you know any mortal person, yeah. you know the showing up late, the firing band members, the alleged you know theft of music, mm -hmm. the not paying new arc. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? The mm -hmm. affair with Wyclef, like all of these things for the average artist even mm -hmm. might be like, okay, you know, we're done with you. You know what I'm saying? But there is still, Lauren is still held to that regard. And that is because in my opinion, she is a genius. Mm -hmm. She's a literal genius. And I know that word gets tossed around a lot, but I think it applies to her, but I think she's a tortured genius, yeah. like you said. And there's so many things that played into, you know, her not being able to produce music. Because if you remember, something that I feel like is really telling is when she did Unplugged. Mm -hmm. The Unplugged was very telling of where Lauren was post 
miseducation. Mm-hmm. So right when she did, oh man, what is the name of the song? Is it is it for peace of mind to find peace of mind when she breaks down and she can't mm-hmm. finish the song? She, yeah, yeah. And I believe it's to find peace of mind, yeah. and she just breaks down on stage, and she can't she can't finish the song. Yeah. And I think that was the beginning of her sort of removing herself completely. Because I feel like as an artist, if you're if you're an artist of that caliber, it's in you. You want to do it no matter what, no matter where you know you reach, no matter what heights you reach in life. But yeah, if it doesn't feel right, if it's not authentic, fine. But you still have the desire. But I think there were so many other factors. And dare I even say maybe some mental health mm-hmm. factors, like some anxiety yeah. or maybe yeah. even some imposter syndrome, mm-hmm. if you will. You know, if you're familiar with that term, yeah. because as artists, we go through that. We're our hardest critics. Yeah. But I, I I don't want to blame it. A lot of people look at, you know, the failed relationship with, with Rohan and Marley. Um, I mean, even, even the Wyclef thing, as messy as that was, I don't think that is really the catalyst. I feel like Lauren Hill was burdened by her own genius and then jaded by the industry. Well, and I'll even piggyback on that and say something else. One of the things I specialize in, all right, I specialize in this. <laughs> I see stars, right? I see, I see that. That's, I don't know how talented you are or how um, true you are to the game, but you're a star. Like I know you're a star. Lauren Hill was put on this earth to be a star. She was God gifted, God gifted. She was a star by nature. I don't think she ever wanted to be a star. Mm. I think she wanted to be an artist. And and artists want to be recognized for what they do, but when that when that light got too bright, it's uncomfortable for. Her. Yeah, it's like Dave Chappelle. Mm-hmm. When the light got too bright, when the price got too high, you got to get out of there. But I I I I don't know if she didn't want to be a star. I think stardom hit too early for her, and I think it hit too massively. Yeah, it was super for bright. Her. Like she was the big, it one was, of the biggest stars huge. in the world. And we keep harping on her age. Like she was really young mm-hmm. when she reached that stardom. And it, I feel like it was too much. Like you said, Damon, she was sleeping on her mom's couch. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? When, like, and, and all this success and fame happened. It, and she talked about like, I just, I don't know when exactly it was. It was after everything went down, but she was just like, I just, I just want to live a normal life. Like, I just want to, I want to be a mother. I want to live a normal life. And that was... But does she send mixed signals? Yeah, she definitely does. Because she's an artist. She loves... Because she's a art. human being. Yeah, it's human you being. You know what I'm saying? But she's she's an artist. She loves what she does. She loves being an artist. She loves uh, performing. Well, yeah. She loves making songs. But... When the light gets too bright, it's yeah. like, oh, we also don't have to face. be we we also don't have to be naive to the fact she could just be like, well, I want to be normal, but I can make a lot of money doing this, 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 and this real quick. Mm-hmm. Just just knock these days. I'm gonna go to I'm, I'm I'm gonna go do these performances at these like random spots. I'm gonna yeah. go do these. I'm gonna get that paycheck, and then I'm gonna go back to being normal. Yeah, and the next year. I'm going to go perform again a couple yeah. of times and then I'm going to go back to being And normal. be two hours late to the concert. Every time. And make people call me Miss Hill and not look me in my eye mm-hmm. and, you know, fire bandmates the night of in the city, you know, 
that day and, you know, like say that, you know, you don't have an ego, but do things that are very. And it's the, it's the mixed signals thing. Egocentric. Like, yeah, 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 for sure. I always, I, I, we were talking about it a little bit. I Looking back now, you know, hindsight is 2020, but I, it's kind of clear to me, Lauren Hill was never meant to be here for ever. As far as like in our music lives, new music all the time. Mm-hmm. I don't think she was ever meant for that. She was meant to be here for that time of period. She was here. And that's that it's, it's different because clearly it's not what happened, but it's what we talk about with death row. Death row wasn't meant to be here forever. It was meant to be a time and place in, in music and hip hop history, but it was never going to like, I look back at Lauren. She was, she, the, the way I feel she's wired. She wouldn't, she's never meant to be here. 20 years putting album after album out all this other stuff that's not how she's wired and it, it's the it's the what if like we do this in sports all the time like what if this athlete didn't get injured what mm-hmm. if they didn't get traded what if this didn't happen or what if that didn't happen like that's that's lauren hill lauren hill is is what if and i think it's the burden and don you can attest to this uh, of an artist right always trying to top yourself and be better than you did before and the Fuji's the score was a massive album and she was able to top it with the miseducation of Lauren Hill and the thought of having to do that again like I think about your work and you know the stuff that you did for Spike and thinking I got Spike Lee hanging this stuff outside 40 acres and so I gotta come up with I gotta come up with something better than that Mm. I gotta top that Mm. for this artist I gotta top that for this artist like it's a it's a burden that creatives like yourself like Lauren Hill have that I think a lot of people can't can't fathom. And the flip side to that is, you know, you think about someone like Eminem, like the Slim Shady LP was uh, it, for what it what like it's not my favorite, but I know how it's revered mm-hmm. and love. Mm-hmm. The Marshall Mathers LP is it's phenomenal, mm-hmm. one of the greatest albums ever. If it ended there, how would we talk about that album? Mm-hmm. But I think we talk about that album a little differently because he dropped some bullshit after that. Like he dropped like three or four albums that are just like, oh, this sucks. And then he dropped some great ones in there too, but nothing, nothing ever touched that again. And it's just a burden. And he, he, you know, there's a, uh, you know, he, he, he writes about that. Um, and in fact, I think he wrote about it on the Marshall math. Nothing's going to be able to top what my name is. Um, it, it, it's yeah. just a it's a it's a it's a crazy burden that yeah, these artists live you with it, and and to, to real quick to follow mm-hmm. up that point it's so unfair because mm-hmm. like no yeah, doubt yeah. who who am i to say this shit is trash <laughs> you know what i mean like it's yeah. i may not like it but when they put it together man this i love this i put my all into this i love this song mm-hmm. anything eminem i love this song and then i come out and as a consumer and i'm like that's whack yeah that's not fair. Like yeah. I'm a cancer. I'm all about fair, right? Like <laughs> things have to be fair. That's not fair. Yeah, it's not for for us not. to sit up there and say something is whack just because we don't like that song. Yeah. That don't make it whack. Nah. And you said it, Damien. When you're not a creative, it's real easy to critique something when you don't understand the process and pouring your heart and soul into something and it not being received well. And even worse, when you do do something that hits and having to top yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Because you hit it on the head. Like, yeah, Spike has my stuff. 
Barack and Michelle Obama have my work. Not bragging. I'm just saying. These are things that but lesser known people, I'm stressing about every time I sit down to work, I'm like, this has to be amazing. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Just because I'm giving you my all, right? Mm-hmm. And I want it to be authentic. I want it to connect. I want it to do everything I intended to do. And if it doesn't, it's just like, oh, it's just such a heartbreak. You know what I'm saying? You don't you don't want to invest so much. I, I want to divest. I want to be like, you know, just here, take this and mm-hmm. just keep moving. But if you're a true artist and you pour yourself into what you do, that's damn near impossible. Now, Lauren has gone on record to say she didn't feel pressure. It's like two interviews where she's like, yeah, I didn't feel pressure. I felt liberated because I could, you know, walk away and do the family thing and, you know, live my life. But I don't, I don't believe her. Mm-hmm. I feel like she did feel pressure, but the pressure on top of the burden of having to outdo herself, but just do it in an authentic, truthful way. And I don't think, I, I think the type of artist she wanted to become, you know, to some people, it became kind of preachy mm-hmm. a little bit, you know, she, you know, it became very much about her faith and I'm not here to knock anybody's faith, believe in what you believe. If it works for you, great. Uh, but if you feel like without, you know, something faith-based or without being able to be sort of like a, like Bob Marley in a way, like almost like on an evangelical crusade to spread your truth. Mm. Uh, I don't think she felt like she could do it in a space where it would be received. Right. Cause like even in that same unplugged, she like the songs weren't, I don't know if y'all remember the songs, but they weren't that great. They were kind of half-baked kind of ideas. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them were very like preachy, very religious based and she's even said, like, she doesn't feel like she's done anything without God. Um, hmm. So, like, I don't I, I just I just feel like she was being pulled in so many different directions mm-hmm. and she felt like something was missing. Something yeah. was missing. She even she even there's even like, the, you know, she was with some guy who was almost like a cult leader, Brother Anthony. You see, yeah. you read about that. Like, I had no idea she was she was going through all these things. And Proz was like, yo, that was a wild. Bro. Yeah, yeah. Proz was like, yo, and he Proz say stuff. you wild. Or you really, <laughs> Proz yeah. says you wild, you yeah. really on one. Yeah, man. Yeah. So I just, my heart goes out to, a, you know, just being a creative, you know, and being a human, you yeah. know, this shit ain't easy, man. Let me let me ask you guys a question here. Um, we have a myself and Damien. We have a sports show, ESPN thirteen twenty here in Sacramento. D'Lo and Casey. And we, D'Lo and Casey. We talk about the NBA and we talk about all NBA. And this year, Damian Lillard, Steph Curry having phenomenal seasons, but they're going to play. I don't know what the I was never getting fractions or whatever. Games, yeah. A third, two thirds of the season or something mm-hmm. like that. So we're like, man, can they be all NBA? And they only played two thirds of the season or whatever because of load management. God, no, they most those, those, oh, those yeah. two were injured. Oh, yeah, whatever, yeah. It just wasn't round. Can Lauren Hill be the greatest female MC of all time? Even if she, you can make the argument. She never even gave us a hip hop album solo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She gave us the score. And then to your point with Miss Education, she never even gave us a hip hop album. Yeah. Can she be the best? Because I think lyrically. I think she's the best female artist yeah, to ever do, do it. I think lyrically she is, but yeah. then do we take a consideration legacy and mm-hmm. and influence? I mean, because all of those are there, but then we 
put her with the Queen Latifahs and uh, Queen Latifah. I, I thought a lot about Queen Latifah when studying, you yeah. know, when when preparing for this because Queen Latifah is the only one who I think could have been what Lauren was. Yeah, but at the time Queen Latifah came out, that's not what they did. Nah. Like, cause we learned later, Queen Latifah can, can sing. sing. Yeah. She can sing. Like Absolutely. she could have dropped yeah. Yeah, something like the miseducation of Lauren yeah, Hill. Definitely. It's just that's not in the era that she emerged yeah. in and 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 you know got into our our viewpoint. That's, that's from not Jersey too. Did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, both of them. Yeah. That's yeah. So so Queen Queen Latifah ran through my mind yeah. a lot. I think I think you this. I think you think a little bit about Missy. Yeah, mm-hmm, what Missy Elliott was able to do with, with, with her singing and the way she puts. To answer together. your, I think the answer to your question, in my opinion, is yes. She did enough. I think the answer is yes, yeah. because I, it's not. It's not. It's not how much she did. It's what she did when she was here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, talking about it like she's dead. It's what she did. Yeah, it's what she did when when in 1996 and 1998, and yeah. like how I, her name. It's such a void without her, though. I mean, we talked about if I ruled the world and what her name and her voice meant to that track for Nas. Mm-hmm. I gave I, him his biggest hit ever. Yeah, yeah. I had a I had a tweet earlier because you know I watched these videos and I just looked at it. I was like, man, Lauren was so beautiful. And I tweeted out, I was like. Lauren Hill was beautiful. And I saw that. And people and were like, what? That. Wait, yeah, what? Yeah, yeah. Where's she? Yeah. Is, she is she gone? Yeah. Is she gone? Yeah. I was like, but I, you understand yeah. it. Like, yeah. you, you haven't. We don't see her no she's more. She's been we gone. And, and then people were like, she still is. I was like, I'm sure she still is. I haven't seen Lauren see Hill yeah. in forever. Like, I can, I'm sure I could Google her and find the newest images. But yeah. I haven't seen her since, like, the Chappelle thing when the Fuji's. The yeah, thing. that was reunited for that. I saw an interview with her. It was it was weird. It was some conference with Isaiah Thomas, and Isaiah's talking, and he's like, "Yeah, and this woman, you know, she taught me how to be a boyfriend and a husband, and we need her back." <laughs> That's random. Yeah, hella random, right? Detroit Pistons, Isaiah Thomas, <laughs> Zeke, absolutely. <laughs> Zeke from Chicago. If I'm Lauren, that's not something I want on my resume. And then, I, and then here comes Lauren, in you know a Balenciaga jean jacket and a low C's and no makeup, and you know, speaking very eloquently about you know youth empowerment and you know, yeah. But it's like she's almost like an urban legend almost now Mm. you know but to expand on your point about her being beautiful right lauren is so special to me another one of the reasons why yeah she can be considered the greatest you know female mc of all time is what she projected outwardly as a brown-skinned black woman Mm. with dreads who Mm. wasn't hypersexualized who stood firmly on her unapologetically black music and ideology and you know at a time when Lil' Kim and Foxy Brown were the top two female MCs like she was the antithesis of everything that was supposed to be popular you know when it came to women she stood firmly on you know her principles and on you know her craft and on her persona and you know, I don't even think she gets enough credit for that. You know what I'm saying? Because she didn't create a subgenre, but she defined it. She defined what like neo soul I, mm. yeah, really I, is. I, I, you know? I feel like she 
It was out before D'Angelo was out before. D'Angelo, I think, I think she she defined it. You could say define. I, I'd probably say create, it. but I, I, I yeah, I only that. say she didn't create it because yeah, D'Angelo was out. I think Erica was out. Uh, but she definitively sort of created, not created, but yeah, defined that define. I like for that. sure. And then it was it was standing on all those same principles, not conforming to you know what the industry might want you to be mm-hmm. or f- what you feel like is going to be your way in uh but just being genuine you know but i think again all of those other burdens and all of those other sort of uh trappings of that level of success yeah it 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 just it just got to her you know certainly one of the most fascinating figures uh in hip hop history uh, Lauren Hill I was listening to Miseducation as I'm sure all three of us were on the way in. Yep. That's an album worth uh, revisiting, man. Flawless. It plays perfect today. <laughs> like there's flawless. no, like I had a playlist come on in, in, in the, the the other day. Uh, it was actually, yes, it, Run, Run DMC came on. It was like an old school hip hop thing. Mm-hmm. Like Run, n- no one who pulls up next to my car is going to mistake what I'm listening to for current music. Mm-hmm. Like, you know that this is old school music. Mm-hmm. You can't do that with the miseducation mm-hmm. of Lauren Hill. You don't know when it came out, when you hear it. Like if you if you're completely new to the project and you hear it for the first time, you don't know if it came out in 2023, in 2013, mm-hmm. or in 1998. Yeah, yeah it's timeless. Yeah, favorite favorite songs? Favorite songs. Lost ones. Yeah. I'm, I'm torn between lost that. ones. I got a second. Um, I'm torn between Zion and X Factor. X Factor is amazing. Yeah, X Factor. X Factor is amazing. Zion is Zion touches me for sure. But I think with Lost Ones, the reason why I was listening to it with a different perspective now because I think Lost Ones is almost prophetic of her own career. Mm-hmm. Uh, you might win some, but you you really lost one. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like that's that's kind of that's a bar. Yeah, you know. And then seeing where she went from there. Uh, it just, it just hits different now. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I, I'm not gonna argue against Lost Ones because I love the track. But when you talk about the definition of pouring your soul, your soul on a track, X Factor and Zion mm-hmm. is she poured maybe everything she had gone through in those two, three years. Yeah. On, onto those and the crazy songs. thing, X Factor was a massive hit. Mm, yeah. It's not like an album cut you stumble across like, oh, this is such a heartfelt song. That was a massive yeah. record. Yeah. It can't take my eyes off you is incredible too. Oh, that's, that's one. It's her rendition yeah. of "Can't Take My Eyes yeah. Off You." It's not I her song, it. but she. It was on the conspiracy theory. 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 Yeah, yeah. I was gonna right. say I yeah. I only watched that movie because of that song. <laughs> yeah. I ended up loving that movie yeah. just because that song is in it. And I love "Sweetest Thing." Oh, yeah, it's not sweetest thing. Album, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's my song. Yeah, no, "Sweetest Thing." "Sweetest Thing" is dope. One one thing I want to mention before we get out of here. Um, I was watching an interview where Lauren was talking about again, the feeling liberated um, in terms of being able to walk away from music. So, Damon, you asked the question, would we be excited about a Lauryn Hill album if it came out today, Mm -hmm. right? A better question is, would it be good? Mm. It's funny you say that. Would a Lauryn Hill album be... Yeah, would it would it would it be a quality would it be a quality album or would it be right. and here's the reason why I asked this, right? So recently Lauren made a rare appearance on a Nas track. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. 
And uh, I was ex- I was actually excited when I saw that she was, you know, doing a Nas record. But after I heard it, I was a little underwhelmed mm. by the performance. And I think it fell into the kind of preachy, kind of you know, a little too self-righteous yeah. kind of Lauren. That, and, that, you know, an issue. I want I want her to stand on her truth, but I, I also I, I don't want her to lean into it too much because I think that's where it starts to get a little sticky, yeah. you know? Yeah. Uh, so I'm just out of morbid curiosity, like what yeah. did, what did, what a Lauren album today would it be? I, I think she'd kill it. And it's to the point that Damien made the way she makes music stands the test of time. She can make music today. Like sometimes you get some of these older guys and women who make music today, but it sounds like in their heyday. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's not how the music sounds nowadays. She can make music that sounds like her <laughs> right yeah. now. Or you know what I mean? Like her, the artist. Like yeah. she can because make she does, music. She certainly today. has the life experience. Yeah, exactly, she did right. three but, months in prison. Right. But the she, question, you know what I'm the question isn't probably what can she do. The question is what would she do? What would she do? Is the question? What would she do? What would it sound like? Because Going back, I don't want to contradict myself. When you're creative and you put your heart and soul into it, you want it to be well received, but you also yeah. want it to be true to you. So it, it, if I heard it and didn't like it, that doesn't mean I'd that it's not good. To hear it. But like, I want, yeah, mm-hmm. what would it sound like? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? She says she was coming out with an album. I would be as intrigued. Well, as we'd all be curious, of course. Yeah. The question is, do do we honestly do we think it would be good? I think it'd be good. She'd be fine, like she'd. I would want it. <laughs> she'd have I to would. watch out for her for like crossing that line too yeah, much. Man. But I think yeah, she. Man. I think it'd be good. Yeah, I, I mean, I would want it to be good, but <laughs> I would be because it's kind. It's almost like it's almost like because I wonder if a part of the reason why, and this goes back to 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 trying to outdo yourself. I wonder if part of the reason why she never did another album is because she never felt like she could top the success mm-hmm. you know it's mm-hmm. like it's like it's like i feel like eddie murphy never came back to comedy because raw is raw mm-hmm. you know yeah how do you top raw well, you talked about Chappelle earlier and it's hard to go do all of that stuff that he did and then to come back and go do comedy you poured your heart and soul into yes. comedy for so long then you go away to make movies and then you're just going to come back and make a great comedy special after we've seen it. We ain't, ain't got to call names out, but we've seen comedians who have gone to make movies and then have tried to go back to comedy. And you're like, and it don't hit the same. I guess comedy's funnier when you're broke. Yeah. Like, cause these dudes, Man, these leave dudes, Kevin Hart out of this. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say nothing about that man, Kevin Hart. He's Kevin. rich. He works hard. Die he'll hard tell too. you he works hard too. Die hard he'll let you know he's. Yeah, I work hard. He sure will. He'll, he'll tell you. He sure will. That's that's not who I was thinking of though. I know. I know. I, I ain't gonna say his name. I ain't gonna mention Smokey by name. But. Oh, oh man. Um, at Hard Rock Cafe. I mean, Hard Rock Hotel coming soon. Well, no, get your tickets now. <laughs> What's going on, Damien? Or wait. It probably won't matter. You can probably get them whenever you want to. Uh, we appreciate you so much for being with us. Uh, subscribe to Corners of the Culture wherever you get podcasts from. Uh, share it with your friends. Post it on social media. Make sure you check out the dopeones.com. Make sure you check out D-Lo and KC on ESPN 1320. And most of all, make sure that you are back here next week on Corners of the Culture. 
Holla. Peace.